Welcome to the IDP Show. I'm your host, Evan Ronda, joined by my best friend, the late round DB, Jake Culhagen. Jake, I am stoked to talk about football this week. We have two fewer games than usual, which means we can <laughs> not worry about rushing through 16 games in one episode. Oh my goodness. Dude, this is going to be an absolute blast. Is there... Is there a specific game this week that you're looking forward to? I know we had our bet last week about the Texans-Steelers matchup that was anything but exciting. I didn't even watch the game. And Perspective. I perspective. Yeah. Some people found that game exciting. You know what? <laughs> That's a fair point. I'll give that to you. CJ Stroud uh, looks legit. Oh, my gosh. He really does. He really does. And that's and so I mean that's my 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 homerism or my my bias. We'll definitely say right, you know, seeing them play again this week. Um, you know, seeing what Stroud can do in that matchup again is is a big one for me. But you know, from an IDP perspective, um, you know, I I love my boy Cam Curl this year. Um, I know I know late round DB, right? But hey, sometimes you just you just gotta love a guy. And so I really think I'm excited for tomorrow night's game against the Bears. Uh I think that uh He's just he's just been putting up some crazy numbers so far this year, and I'm I'm excited to see if that can just if that can maintain. Um, and then obviously are the Bears what they did against the Broncos was that just because they played the Broncos, or are they actually going to give us some IDP relevance or, or fantasy relevance across the board going forward too? So, yeah, do we see Justin Fields do what he did last year and actually have a bounce back and then consistently be decent or? Is he going to turn back into a pumpkin, as they like to say in the media? Um, we'll find out, but we probably won't have much to say about it because this is an IDP podcast. But uh, I am definitely excited to talk about this game for sure. In fact, I think I'm just going to jump right into this thing. So um, I've got the uh, I've got the visiting teams. You've got the home teams. And I have here kind of their points per game matchups for you know their their opposing offense here so let me just let's make this official intro for a timestamp if you will but our first game is thursday night football bears at commanders now i uh, i have here the the bears against the commanders the commanders are the number one ranked matchup versus defensive ends so far and i have some moral qualms about recommending that you start yannick and gakwe so I just said start Demarcus Walker instead because he's also defensive end that plays for the Bears. Now he has slightly fewer snaps, um, slightly fewer pressures, but the same amount of sacks. So he's been a little bit more efficient and he's still been tackling pretty well. He's got about the same amount of tackles too, if I can remember off the dome. So really what that tells me is he's just a more efficient player, even if he does play a little bit more on the interior from time to time. And I think this matchup with Sam Howell just eating sacks like there is lunch, I think this is going to be a good matchup for Demarcus Walker to get a few tackles and maybe get a sack here. Uh, somebody who I'm not interested in, I continue to not be interested in. This is more of just a warning for managers that are box score scouts. It's Jack Sanborn. 
I think a lot of people saw how many tackles he got in week four and are like, oh, wait, is he back? Like, should I be adding Jack Sanborn? No, no, you shouldn't. He got slightly more snaps than he typically does last week, and he got significantly more tackles than he significantly does. But the two linebackers starting above him are still full-time players. He is still a limited rotational guy, and he is not going to be a consistent producer. So he just had a week. That's it. Nothing super crazy there. Jake, how about the commanders, though? So you're you're struggling to pick which uh, Bears defensive lineman to put in. I'm I'm struggling to find a commander's defensive lineman to keep out here, right? I mean, this this Bears defensive line has not been good, uh, to, to just put it bluntly. Um, but really, I think, you know, you're, you're comfortable with all of them. And obviously, they're talented, right? They're all first-round draft capital. Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. Um, but I think I'm really, really excited about uh, Sweat and Young this week, especially. Um, defensive ends have found a significant, a significant level of success already for IDP against the Bears. Um, and Sweat has shown in favorable matchups already that he can capitalize. Young showed us last week that he can play at a high level, very disruptive. So, um, you know, those guys might maybe be kind of higher on the list already, or that might be kind of knowledge to say, hey, yeah, I would have started sweating young anyways. Well, I guess I just want to reaffirm that with you because I know there's some been people in the streets, you know, kind of saying maybe young isn't all there. Maybe he's washed or, you know, got the bus label, whatever, injury prone. Um, until he shows us he, he doesn't belong in the field, he, I think he belongs in our lineup. So I uh, really, really like Chase Young and Sweat this week. Um, who I'm not necessarily as excited about, uh, Jameen Davis. Actually, someone I, I wrote up as a potential breakout this year um, based on what he did at the end of last season, the utilization, kind of how when he took that uh, step up as the the green dot and you know he was able to really start making plays even from that role. Um, and this year has just not been kind to him. The off-the-field off stuff started in the offseason, some issues there with legal troubles, uh, concerns. And now he's, you know, he, he did hit his highest percentage of snaps last week, but through the first four weeks, his highest snap percentage is 80% in a game. Um, that, that's more like a floor threshold that we're looking for them to hit at a minimum uh, to be a viable linebacker in our lineups versus, hey, this is, he's, this is where he's setting the bar. So, um, you know, plus the Bears have struggled against everyone except for Denver. So I'm kind of expecting more of a return to that. Uh, I think that kind of limits the potential upside for a, a low snap count or a lower snap count linebacker in Jameen Davis. Yeah, Chase Young continues to lead the team in pass rush win rate and true pass set, pass rush win rate which is an absolute tongue twister to say uh, he is absolutely back. We've talked about this before. I love Chase Young. I think that, frankly, he was highly drafted, a very talented player coming out and had injuries. And shocker, as soon as you're not injured, all those other things matter again. And so he's absolutely performing at a level that I expect him to continue to perform at in what better matchup than this one. So Super, super excited to see what he does here in week four or week five. What week are we in? We're in week five. Awesome. Did I write week four or did I write week five? I did write week five. Cool. Let's go ahead and move on to our next game. The Jacksonville Jaguars at the Buffalo Bills. Listeners, keep in mind, this is an early game. This is a 6.30 a.m. Central Time kickoff. Very similar to last week. So make sure you get those lineups set ahead of time. Um, All righty. 
The first guy I'm going to tell you to start is Chad Muma, because as long as Devin Lloyd is out, Chad Muma is going to be a full-time player. And oh my gosh, he had himself quite the week last week. And this is going to be another great matchup. The Jaguars are playing against the Bills, and the Bills are the ninth best matchup for linebackers and points allowed on average each week, which is an even better matchup than the last one that they played. So if you liked what Chad Muma did for you in week four, buckle up because he is poised to do it once again here in week five. Someone I would sit still is Trayvon Walker. Now, this is not a hot take by any means. However, I did want to let you listeners know that he finally has a greater than 0% pass rush win weight. He finally got a pass rush win. So he's improving, I guess. Um, unlike Zaven Collins, who is still at 0%. So sorry. <laughs> There's a reason I don't have the Zaven Collins jersey up there behind me. I will not put it up on the wall until he has a pass rush win rate above 0%. Um, but that's about it for Trayvon Walker. Just keep an eye on him. I don't expect too much from him this season, aside from the fact that Chandler Jones was released. So he's still going to get tons of opportunities and tons of time to improve. Improve, I assume he shall. I just, I'm not sure it's going to be a this season kind of thing, but it is nice to see a little bit of improvement from him in week four. All right. Well, I just got to call out quick too. So Evan is one of those silly West Coast time people. So that's 6.30 a.m. time is, is for all those fun folks out there living in the, the sunny states out in the West. So us dreary Midwest people, that game starts at 8.30 a.m. So just just so you're aware of how the how time zones work for everything, because I would not wake up at 6.30 a.m. For, for Bill's Jake's football. Yeah, I did. I set my alarm to wake up so I could see kickoff for Falcons Jags. And let me tell you, that game really helped me fall back asleep. <laughs> um, I don't even know if I'm in central time here in Arizona. Let me actually check and see. Yeah, no, it's uh oh no, that's Thursday. No, it is 6 30 for me. Okay, maybe I'll wake up for it, but probably not. <laughs> uh, um, I'll cross that bridge when I get there. Depends on how late I stay up on Saturday. All right. Well, let's cross the bridge for Ed Oliver because you know why? He's someone we need to be starting in our lineups this week against the Jaguars. Uh, very, very favorable matchup overall. Um, his production has been a little bit extra in terms of overproducing what we would see, especially when you look at uh, his sack rate uh, to pressure numbers. Um, but I really do believe um, this is a matchup where that trend will continue. Um, might mean a little bit of negative regression later in the season for him. Or it could just mean he's on pace to have, you know, a really great year. So um, I don't think the Jaguars slow him down, though, at all this week. And Ed Oliver is someone we need to be sliding into our lineups here this week. Uh, someone I'm looking at sitting, uh, Greg Rousseau. Not really the best matchup, though, for the defensive edges here. Now, I know sometimes that feels like a weird distinction, right? You know, that specifically the interior versus the edge is kind of, you know, a different makeup. But, I mean, it really is when you look at how the, how the game's played and what you can expect there. Um, and, you know, the edges just have not been able to really produce versus Jacksonville. Um, throw in the fact that uh, Mr. Rousseau's already got a DNP this week for injury uh, suffered here in week four. Um, I'm just a little nervous about a guy who I love the talent, but he's already a 50% kind of snap, 40% kind of snap rotational guy as it is, which is great that the Bills deploy that and they're they're relatively effective with that. But, you know, throwing an injury, now you're talking 20, 25 snaps, you know, um, maybe less. I, I For me, I'm going to be looking for other options at this point uh, 
for my defensive line. Yeah, I think that's a fair call out. I also believe Ed Oliver is is doing pretty well in that pass rush win rate, which is impressive to see from a defensive tackle. He's actually higher than Greg Rousseau in that pass rush win rate. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on to your Houston Texans at the Atlanta Falcons. Now, this is the 10 a.m. game, so 10 a.m. Central time. Anyways, what is that? No, 12? Is that Pacific. 12? Pacific? 12 Central. It's 12 Central is the game. Okay. 10 Pacific. I see. Your Pacific so, time. I probably wrote the wrong times. Whatever. It's the morning game. <laughs> the first wave of games where they put all of them together at the same time instead of spreading them out like sane people. The Texans at the Falcons. Um, now, a guy that I want to call out here as a start is uh, Jonathan Grenard because the Falcons are the fourth most advantageous matchup for points generated to defensive ends. Jonathan Grenard's actually been playing pretty well this year opposite that rookie whose name is Will Anderson that I remembered. <laughs> Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> um, let me actually pull up the Texans pass rush win rate chart here because it's actually pretty nice. So Will Anderson is at a 21.2 true pass set win rate, but Jonathan Grenard's right there behind him at 17, second on the team, which is really, really nice to see. That's that's definitely not a number to to what's the word I'm looking for? You know, scoff. it's not something to laugh at. Yeah, not something to scoff at. That's a, that's an impressive number. Um, what was also impressive is the fact that Christian Harris just decided to just do something in week four. So good for you. You had your one week. Get back on the bench now, Bucko. Um, <laughs> if Denzel Perryman is back, you absolutely are sitting Christian Harris. I don't know if Denzel Perryman will be back. I thought he got in a limited practice today. Okay. You're more up to date than I am because I wrote this on Tuesday morning. So you have more up to date information. I have written here on my notes. I already commented on it, but yeah, I know Harris scored a ton of points in week four, but frankly, I don't care. So put him on your bench because he's like the third guy there. Yeah. Full practice, full participant today. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Harris gets the full boot done. Yeah, and I got to tell you, man, Henry To'o To'o was absolutely a go-o-go-o -oh, go -oh last week, so great call there. I, I always love a good wordplay. So um, with that, I wish I had a great segue into Falcons' David Anyamata because he's got such a fun and unique name, And but I can't think of anything off the top of my head other than telling you this is a great matchup for him. And, you know, Evan loves his, you know, true pass set win rate. Well, how about 33% of the time one out of every three times he takes a pass rush snap, he is winning his matchup. And now you look at the Houston Texans, who I'm, I'm excited about them as a team. I'm excited about C.J. Stroud, but they just lost another offensive guard to injured reserve this week in, in their matchup against the Steelers. I just, I just don't know how you don't fire Anyamata. I mean, even Grady Jarrett, but I, I just, I really love Anyamata's matchup this week uh, specifically. And yeah. They should they should be full goals in um, even just you know those DL type leagues on sleeper, not even specific to defensive tackles. Um, on the other side, or on the uh, right behind them, I'm sit or no, not behind them, alongside them. I'm trying to say uh, I'm I'm sitting Dupree and Ebiketti. Um, I know that they have a favorable matchup against um, the Texans here too potentially. Uh, I just you know we saw Highsmith and. Uh, TJ Watt struggle a little bit from the edge too. I think Stroud just does have 
really good pocket awareness and, and good movement within it. Now he's been pressured a ton, sacked still a decent amount of times as well, but not not to the rate that he should be based on how many times he's getting pressured. So, um, you know, for that, I, I don't see Dupree or Ebiketti earning a sack this week. Maybe they luck into one because Anyamata and Jarrett force him, you know, into into that situation. But uh, those are guys I'm I'm staying away from at this point. Probably not, you know, someone you guys were looking necessarily to start in a lot of leagues, um, more deeper ones. But even then, uh, I'm only starting them if I have to. And then I just got to call out, you know, uh, Mr. Raymer's personal favorite. Nate Ocean, Ocean Man, or whatever his joke was, because instead of Land Man, um, but Nathan Landman uh, really showed, you know, hey, he's gonna he's gonna be a, a ninety percent plus guy. He piled up, I believe, ten solos, two assists um, in the game uh, in Jackson, or no, in London against Jacksonville. So if he's not if he's not already on a lineup or excuse me on a team, you should be scooping him up because it's likely that he's going to be seen plenty of snaps here in the near future. So um, with Troy Anderson's injury, so be, be putting them on your uh, rosters where you can great depth piece and our potential starting piece for you as well. Yeah. Uh, the, I guess the best thing that I can say is just, if you want to be able to see like consistent, predictable production, then like those true pass set win rates really on Yamada. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Carolina Panthers at the Detroit lions. Oh man, the Panthers. Who do I start with on the Panthers? Um, how about this? If your Panthers linebacker is not named Frankie Luvu, put him on the bench because Kamu Gruger Hill saw limited snaps in week four. Deion Jones was a healthy scratch and Chandler Wooten played over him and did literally nothing. So it seems like this team is pretty content to replace Shaq Thompson with just more defensive backs. And honestly, I don't blame them because if those are your options, <laughs> it's not going to end well for you. So Frankie Louvu is fine, but everybody else is just too unreliable for you to start. I'm sorry. I really believed that KGH was going to be a consistent full-time player this season. And I'm willing to admit I was just wrong. It turns out being bad in real life football means that also you can be bad for fantasy. <laughs> So, so sorry about that. I still love you, Kamu. You're still one of my favorite Hawaiians, and I will never forget you and all that you did for me. Uh, this is a great matchup for defensive tackles, though, and because of that, I'm going to tell you to start Derek Brown. That's it. Start Derek Brown. It's a great matchup against the Lions. I'm also going to give a quick shout-out to Sam Franklin Jr. because, well, frankly, no pun intended, I told you to pick him up and start him like a week ago. And boom, he put up an absolute buttload of points. So if you listened, you're welcome. If you didn't, I eh. who's who's to say he's going to do it again? Probably not. That was kind of fluky. Um, but he had a week. Hundred yard pick sixes definitely help out um, in the stat sheet for sure. But yeah, I mean, I mean that's that's sometimes what it's all about, man. It's all about getting those snaps because they're the ones who are going to get into some of these opportunities to make these plays. Right. So mm-hmm. no, it was, it was a great call out um, on the Lions side. Uh, I'm looking at Jerry Jacobs. Uh, this is pr- going to be more for your cornerback required leagues. Um, and one, I wanted to call it out because Jerry Jacobs has been playing really well and, and deserves that, that shout out. And also there's just not a lot of great, like <laughs> mid range opportunities here on the Lions. It's either, it's pretty much either you're in or you're out. 
um, pretty clearly. So, but no, Jerry Jacobs has been uh, playing at a high level. Really, really love the way he attacks in run defense too, um, and decent enough for that coverage upside for pass breakups uh, and potentially, you know, if he, he can uh, create a turnover as well. But um, he's someone that at this point, if you haven't already. Uh, in a cornerback required league, he is pretty much a plug and play starter for you week in and week out with a, with a solid floor. Um, as far as who we're not going to play, I'm going to basically take the the all linebackers approach that Evan used, and uh, we're going to copy paste that here. So, I mean, Alex Anzalone is the 100% snap, but even with that, his tackle efficiency is very mid at best. Uh, you know, they got Derek Barnes coming in, then they got Jack Campbell, and then sometimes Barnes seems to be leading the way as the LB2. Then Campbell seems to be the one making plays, but he's only getting 20 snaps. And so, I mean, if you look even just to the other side of the ball, right, there, there's always questions about Jameer Gibbs and his usage as a rookie. You know, maybe that's just what we have to expect with Jack Campbell for the for the entirety of this year. I, I've, I've still been calling out his praises and, and like him, and I've been hoping for that kind of bye week and week nine where it'll, the – the roles will flip and he'll be in there more full-time. But for now, I'm really not looking to start any Lions linebackers unless, you know, in those kind of more moderate to deeper leagues where I really need that LB4 type player or deeper. So, Man, Jake, I see you slipping in mid in there just effortlessly. Nice job. That was almost so smooth. I almost didn't pick it up. Man, remember remember when uh, right post-draft people were calling out the Lions for making two bad first-round picks and then – like all the normies on Twitter were like, no, like it's actually good picks and actually just watch and you'll see. And then we have been watching and seeing. And as it turns out, yeah, not ideal so far, but also who's to blame them. They're winning games. It's working. I really don't care. You can't point a finger at a three and one team, you know, too, too much. Right. So exactly what, what they're doing is working for them. I, I promise I'm not that upset. I'm just, I'm relying on Jameer Gibbs in my home league. So David Montgomery, like share the love just a little bit, would you? Just a little, just one touchdown, a touchdown for your thoughts. Okay. Tennessee Titans at the Indianapolis Colts. Listeners are going to like click this timestamp to watch this. And they're going to be like, what is this guy talking about? Um, But this, this Colts offense isn't really a super advantageous matchup for any position, but they are the 10th best for defensive tackles, and because of that, I'm going to tell you to start Danico Autry. He's a edge-interior hybrid. He plays a little bit of both, um, but it's a pretty good matchup, and he has pretty good usage as well. He's been a relatively efficient pass rusher. Let's see what his win rate looks like. He is at Danico Autry. He's at a 20% true pass set win rate, which is third best on the team behind only Jeffrey Simmons. And Travis Gibson, which doesn't really count because he's only had four true pass set attempts. So I'm not going to count that. So he's second best on the team behind only Jeffrey Simmons. And obviously, you're starting Jeffrey Simmons because he's that good. But if you weren't going to start Jeffrey Simmons, I guess I could tell you to start him too. Somebody I will unfortunately ask you to bench, which is a real bummer because I have a very high exposure to him this year. And I was really optimistic about what he would do. But it's Harold Landry. I still have some optimism about what he can do later on this season, but as of right now, he only has a 7.1 TPS win rate, and that's not great. It's better than Zayvon Collins. (laughs) Zayvon Collins is catching all the smoke. I'm not even sorry about it, but um, it's not great so far. Uh, We'll need to see that win rate move up into like the 
teens, you know, 12 to 15 before I can even consider putting him into a starting lineup in moderately deep leagues. But until then, I would prefer to just do somebody else in a better matchup. You know, when you talk about kind of that range you'd like to see him get into, right? Like like a 16% range is probably something where you're like, now that's hmm. some respectable true pass that we're in, right? Just like Samson Ebucom. Uh, he's got 12 pressures so far this year. Um, you know, above average to around average, you know, uh, win rate on those pass rush sets. But really, average is going to be good enough to get it done here against the Tennessee Titans. Um, and Ebucom is someone I'm definitely firing up into my lineups um, and really excited to see what he can do in this matchup. Um, you know, you got uh quitty pay on the other side i think he's a pretty much understood starter you know deforest buckner maybe not ideal based on what the titans have scored two defensive tackles up to this point but i still think he's probably someone where you're running out there uh just based on talent alone and the fact that i'm calling out all these other names alongside of it is another reason why samson ebucom has been able to find his role and his success in in this team so far um and i like to see that continue here against the titans in week five now, someone who hasn't been nearly as successful for us for IDP, um, and I don't think that a lot of people had very high expectations, maybe any, uh, but Rodney Thomas. Um, I know we don't necessarily look for high tackle floors or this great tackle efficiency from uh, deep roll safeties, but man, oh man, he is getting no work on the back end of that defense. Um, he is at a whopping 4.5% tackle efficiency as a full-time starter on this defense. And even in deep safeties, that is a significant uh, step down in terms of that kind of average production we'd like to see. And I mean, we just haven't seen anything downhill or downfield, excuse me, from Tannehill in this, in this passing offense yet either. So I don't expect that to change. I really hope many of you weren't planning on sitting Rodney Thomas, but if you're in a situation where he was in consideration, he should most certainly be out of it for you this week. I just you wait until Kyle Phillips comes back off of injured reserve and just <laughs> Ryan Tannehill resurgence is, is about to happen. Um, I will say, though, maybe some people are holding on to Rodney Thomas simply because what he did for them last season. And like then maybe they just didn't look at his game log for the first four weeks of this season. I don't know. Um <laughs> yeah don't start him don't start him there are so many there are so many other options at db we'll talk about a few on this episode all right let's go ahead and move on to the new york giants at the miami dolphins two teams going in opposite directions and i get the pleasure of talking about the giant side of the ball uh pretty bad matchup for defensive ends pretty bad matchup for linebackers but a pretty good matchup for safeties. So guess what? I'm going to tell you to start a safety. Obviously, you're already starting uh, Xavier McKinney. That's what his name is. That but is still his name. He hasn't changed it to Reek or anything. No. Nope. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, just Pierre. Just just Pierre. Um, <laughs> all right. I gotta I gotta lock it in, Jake. I gotta lock it in, man. You're killing me. Uh, I'm going to tell you to start Jason Pinnock or Pinnock or Ock. Jay Ock. What what would his nickname even be? Doc Ock. I'm gonna get canceled for no reason. Just get Jay a great Nock. usage. Jay Ock. Jay Nock. Mm. Sock. Oh my god. Snock. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Got a great usage. 
listeners, be honest. This is why you listen to the show. You don't want to sound we don't, you don't want us to sound like robots here. We're here to have a good time. We're here to have fun, oh. make some stupid jokes, make some make fun of some people's names. Um, Jason Pinnock, you should start him because it's a good matchup. He's got great usage. He's had some spike weeks already this season. He's probably rostered. If he's not, it's because you're in a super shallow league and you've got better options, so you don't need to worry about it. But this is a great tiebreaker if you're choosing between him and a couple other guys that are at about the same tier of production. I also want you to keep an eye on Aziz Ojulari. Um, his win rate and usage are both going up now that he's getting healthier. Um, but this is not a great matchup, so you probably don't want to start him unless you're in a deeper league. But I just want to let you know in advance for next week, I'll probably call him out as a start. So if you want to like, I don't know if you're in a super deep dynasty league, maybe he has a bad week, then you trade for him because his manager doesn't care or doesn't like him anymore. Then you can add him. Maybe that's your strategy. Or you just like keep an eye on him, see how he does, and then fire him up next week. We'll see how it goes. Not really a great week five start sit tip there, but maybe sit him this week, but like don't be surprised if he has a good week. How about that? You know who I'd be really surprised if he had a good week? Nah, I'm not going to be surprised by this at all because Bradley Chubb going up against the turnstile offensive line of the New York Giants uh, should be able to kind of uh, inflate some of his numbers for this year. Uh, he's been pretty average so far. Um, and, you know, the the pass rush win rate is, you know, not not at that kind of average, that 16, 17 range that we'd like to see per se. It's, it's, it's quite a bit lower. I think he's down like in the 100th range overall. But, this, this is a great get right week for him, um, especially from someone who's shown, you know, he's been a, he was a top five draft pick overall. He's, he's shown flashes, especially during his rookie year. Um, I, I think he finds a way to make himself quite relevant this week uh, for IDP purposes. Uh, on the other hand, someone who I feel kind of bad saying sitting him because he's just been going out there and, and, and finding ways to make plays, you know, fall on fumbles and, whatever it is to, to keep himself very relevant for IDP each week. But Andrew Van Ginkle, um, and the main reason I'm sitting him is because I, I genuinely don't understand how this defense wants to utilize him with a fully healthy roster. And now Jalen Phillips is looking like he is going to be, you know, potentially a, a full goal this week, already a limited participant uh, this week or today here on Wednesday. Um, everything, you know, all the camps are saying, or the reports are saying he looks good and should be back. Um, to a full role, hopefully. So does he go back to off-ball role and David Long gets slid around? David Long's actually looked okay um, in that off-ball role. So now are they splitting time? Or like, what, what, what's going on? And, you know, unless you're in a situation where you're in a super deep league and you really, truly have no other options, you can put Van Ginkle out there because they'll find a way to get him on the field. But, you know, when, you're, when you have, you know, moderate leagues and there's other options out in your waivers where you can potentially find someone who is, you know, a Micah McFadden, right? Like he might still be a better overall option than Van Ginkle just because he'll get 85, 90% of the snaps and, and he'll make some plays out there. So, uh, yeah, just hopefully we figure something out this week and we get a better picture. But for now, if you can afford to, let's hold on Andrew Van Ginkle. Yeah, I will say his win rate is like literally insane. I think he's up at like 25% and his grades are really, really impressive. So if Jalen Phillips is out, you can absolutely fire him up. But yeah, like you were saying, if Jalen Phillips is in, the ambiguity of the situation is just too much to the point where you can be confident in him continuing to produce like that. 
Let's go ahead and move on to the New Orleans Saints versus the New England Patriots at the New England Patriots. I guess I should clarify. Now, against the Patriots here for the Saints, this Patriots offense is number five versus defensive tackles, number two versus cornerbacks. So I'm going to tell you about some defensive tackles and cornerbacks. Because frankly, everybody else in the team is pretty obvious already. I'm going to tell you to start Alante Taylor. I believe we can call him Addy's guy. I think uh, Addy qualifies as an Alante truther. So let's go ahead and give him his shout out there. Uh, but he has elite usage, and this is an elite matchup. So he should be a smash start in cornerback required leagues. But he could even be worth starting in some non-cornerback leagues as well. If you're like a 4DB, 5DB kind of guy and... Olante is on your bench or he's just available for some reason because you don't have an Adam in your league. He's going to have himself quite the week. I, I'm pretty sure about that. Um, against the Patriots offense, it's just they, they absolutely generate points for the cornerbacks. And I'm also going to mention that if you need to stream a defensive tackle, if you're in a league that starts like two of them, Kalen Saunders is very interesting on the Saints. It's a strong matchup, and the dude is actually a really efficient pass rusher. He's not leading the team in snaps, so it's kind of a funky situation because they have a bit of rotation going on there with the defensive tackles. But he has, let's see here, he has a 16.7 win rate, which leads all of their interior defensive linemen by quite a bit. Brian Brzee is at 8.7. Malcolm Roach is at 5. Uh, Nathan Shepard is quite literally at zero. So if there was going to be an interior defensive lineman that did see some success in this matchup, it would probably be Kalen Saunders, even though he has fewer pass rush snaps than Brian Brzee and Nathan Shepard. So if you're looking for a really, really deep streaming option, I'm going to call my shot on that guy because I think it's a good matchup. No, I like that a lot. And, you know, for me, what I'm really interested to see is is for the Patriots with Matthew Judon unfortunately going down, which is an IDP you know stud that we we hate to see lose any time. Um, is this the time where Josh Uche is going to finally get some real snaps? Uh, he showed some real big play potential last year. Had some amazing splash weeks with you know three, maybe even a four sack week. I know for for a fact maybe he had two three sack weeks last year, um, and you know you just thought, wow, this guy can really ball at times and. But then you look and see he's getting 15, 20 snaps a game so far this year. So, you know, unfortunately with the jo or the Matthew Judon injury, it might be just what we need to see Josh Uche come alive um, and really start to kind of maybe get back to some of that value we saw him realize at the at the end of last year. But, you know, best of luck to Matthew, Matthew Judon in his bicep recovery. Uh, I think he just had surgery today, actually. Um, but. We got we to gotta play on, and the next man up for sure is Josh Uche at this point. Uh, someone I am not as excited about, uh, Jawan Bentley. Very, very average tackle numbers. Doesn't get, you know, the 100% uh, snap rate that we'd like to see for our primary linebackers in the middle. Um, and the Saints just aren't a great team to score points for for linebackers against either. Um, <laughs> and I don't know that the the limited Derek Carr offense uh, that we saw from them last week, as far as the saints go to that, we're going to see a whole lot more or something a lot better. So, uh, you know, Bentley, uh, you know, again, 
moderate leagues where you're starting three linebackers or something, I would probably be shying away from Bentley unless in an absolute pinch. Um, but, you know, deeper leagues, I could definitely see you still starting them just because of the pure snap volume. But this is this is what we expect from Patriots defenders, you know, average average usage or utilization and efficiency except for a select elite few. And unfortunately, Bentley falls in the middle where in a less than ideal matchup, I, I don't think he's going to be someone we want to see in too many of our lineups. I will say I think the Patriots aren't going to miss Matthew Judon as much as people probably think they will because they have Josh, Josh Uche, like you mentioned, and they also have Keon White. Both players have a pass rush win rate in true pass sets above 30%, which is really, really impressive. Now, small sample size, sure, yep. but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Keon White also start to bump up in his productivity as well. Yeah, I think that's a great call. He, he absolutely should. I, I would... Uh, my my belief is Uche is going to be the first and primary benefactor, but Keon White absolutely should start to cycle in there at a much greater rate, too. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to the Baltimore Ravens at the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can tell the excitement oozing from my voice. Is Matt Canada still in the building? Yes, he is. All righty. I uh I'm I'm seriously warming on the idea of having Big Ben come in and be the offensive coordinator. I was listening to the Aaron Rodgers interview on the Pat McAfee show today and he was talking about that and basically saying, "Oh yeah, like Big Ben is probably one of the few people that could actually go in there and and be a good play caller." And I was like, "I'll take it. I will take anything over Matt Canada. I know Warren Sharp did a whole thread on it on Twitter." earlier with like eight different tweets all putting together just how bad like legitimately abysmal the Matt Canada office has been ever since he became the offensive coordinator not even just this season but just like for the last three years and I'm just like yep I yeah uh-huh I knew this already so Mike Tomlin said he was going to make some changes and that means you know what signing Denzel Mims to the practice squad let's talk about defense now Geno Stone start him He's been great. He has great usage. And like I said, at this point, I'm just kind of rooting for the Steelers to lose. So let's see some interceptions. And let's hope that Geno Stone gets a few of them. Also, consider starting Arthur. <laughs> I'm dying over here, dude. Consider starting Arthur Millette. Um, This is if Marlon Humphrey's out. It's a good matchup. The Steelers are ninth against cornerbacks. He's got good usage. I think all those dinky dunkies to George Pickens and Calvin Austin and probably Arthur Millette at times are going to be pretty productive. So, you know, if you're looking for like a cornerback seven streamer and <laughs> he'll probably be better than that. But if you're looking for a deep play, he could be a guy. I, I can't really imagine there being a situation where you're relying on him, but like maybe you're in a super sharp league that starts two or three corners and you just want to pick up a guy that I know for a fact is on waivers. Boom, grab them and go. Nice. Well, on, on the Steelers side, the defensive side, they still have some talent there. Um, and you know, one of them is Alex Highsmith. Um, now Alex Highsmith is, you know, I'll, I'll give my personal viewpoint on this, right? I think that, for IDPs, he is a very relevant player or high-end player even at times, um, but he's very, very volume-dependent, right? So I, I don't think that he's 
sometimes people consider him elite. I'm not a part of that group. Um, and you know, with that said, we saw a little bit of some of that downside, right? So last week he played against a, a tougher or what would have been a more favorable matchup against Houston. Um, only realized, I think, three total tackles that week. And he did get three quarterback hits. Um, so, you know, close to to making the play that we need to see to really help us out in IDP, but um, not really enough to, to make him relevant for us for last week. But I think this is the week where he finds that relevance because due to the volume, due to the fact that they have a clear desire to um, move around with Lamar Jackson, uh, and try to extend the plays. I always enjoy matchups where uh, the, these kind of volume-based plays defensively um, when they get to go up against quarterbacks with those long time to throw. So so for me, Alex Highsmith, I think, is a, is a must-start this week. I think he has a great week overall. Um, one that I'm kind of fading away from in terms of, you know, even what the numbers say. So they look at the, the Ravens give up the six-month points to opponents as uh, linebackers. A Landon Roberts, again, I think you talked about this earlier, Evan, with Jack Sanborn. If you're just looking at the box score, Landon Roberts looks great. And then if you even dive into it a little more, oh, man, he did it on limited snaps. I, That's an outlier to me. Um, he is a he is a run thumper, you know, a run thumping defender, and he loves to play downhill, and he's shown that he can do that well. And I think the game script predicated a lot of that last week. Now, the matchup could maybe lean that way, especially with uh, Matt Canada leading that offense. Um, but, but this is not something I'm going to rely heavily on in, in this situation here um, because the, the the Steelers still do have a strong enough defense to keep them in this game um, for the majority of it as well at times. So so I'm sitting to Landon Roberts and not, not buying into an outlier game from him last week. I'd like to thank my co-host here for sending me the wonderful South Park gif Blame Canada. So, yep, I uh, I empathize, empathize with that big time. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to another offense that has been disappointing in the AFC North and an offense that's been very randomly exciting with the Cincinnati Bengals at the Arizona Cardinals. Now, okay, fine, this is a defensive podcast, so maybe I shouldn't introduce these teams by how interesting their offenses are, uh, but this is the first wave of the afternoon games I'm not going to tell you what time or time zone. You can figure that out. You have a brain. I'm going to go ahead and talk about the Bengals, though. Now, the Cardinals offense is the 27th ranked offense versus linebackers and the 28th ranked offense versus cornerbacks. So I'm going to tell you to bench some linebackers and cornerbacks because I think that makes sense. If you're in a league that has shallow benches, you can probably bench Logan Wilson this is like if you're one of those guys that's in like a, a league where you're only starting like maybe five IDPs tops and like maybe only two linebackers because waivers are probably rich with talent and Logan Wilson is coming off a bad week. You need to have some confidence to throw him back in your lineup, but against a bad matchup like the Cardinals, maybe this isn't the week to do it. I would rather just roll with somebody else who's in a favorable matchup that's going to see the same usage and is probably going to be more efficient. So if this is the sign that you needed to just hold off a little longer on Logan Wilson. There you go. Cause honestly, like if he has a great game on your bench, I'm not too worried because you probably started somebody else above him. That also had a great game. Uh, somebody else you can bench is cam Taylor Britt. Again, not a great matchup. You probably weren't starting him anyways, but this could be a week to consider him elsewhere. I know there are some managers who have them in cornerback required leagues who have maybe been starting him in spots, 
This is not one of those spots. Straight and simple, right to the point. This is the kind of hard-hitting analysis you come here for. Let's go ahead and send it over to Jake. We're starting the Barbarian this week, right? So this O-line looks like a car wreck. The Bengals' offense and the team kind of look like a car wreck. But man, does Dennis Gardeck's hair look amazing. And you should start Dennis for that reason. Also the fact that he is just finding ways to win his matchups um, and, and get home on that. Now, he has significantly overproduced off seven pressures into four sacks. So definitely some negative regression incoming for him, most likely. Uh, and he is a rotational defensive end. So this is probably something where, you know, you're streaming him looking for that sack based on, you know, if that's good for your scoring, big, big play upside. Um, or, you know, a deeper league where you're talking third or fourth defensive lineman. But I think this is a week where he, he's shown that he can win. Um, you know, they talk a lot about on, on some of the game casts I've watched with him. They talk a lot about his work as a technician and why, you know, he's recommitted to that under uh, Jonathan Gannon and Nick Rollis. And that's something where, hey, this, this is why a 60-year, you know, journeyman is all of a sudden popping off and making some plays. Um, I think I think there's something to buy into a little bit there. You know, not that this guy is a top 36 DL all of a sudden, but he, like I said, he's definitely streamable kind of in that DL3, DL4 range for us, especially in such a favorable matchup here. Um, unfortunately, on the other side of that defensive line, um, Evan already crapped on him, so I'll, I'll try to limit the amount that I do it. But, I mean, bench slash likely cutting Zayvon Collins at this point. So, you know, if you're still holding on to people, I, I don't know, I, I always love to just harp on, you know, don't don't get stuck in sunken cost fallacy, right? And so that's saying, I paid $10 for this. I have to get at least $10 back, right? I can't, if I do, if I do, or if I don't do that, then I'm going to lose more money. Well, guess what? Zayvon Collins, if he's $10, he's closing in on $6, $5, $4. And all you're doing is losing more and more value. You could go out there and you could find maybe a, a guard deck or someone else you can put in your bench that's streamable or um, you know just got some more upside because Zayvon is clearly not cut out for the role he's in at this point. And it's either going to take a lot more time or something else to really get him back to relevance. And I'm not I'm not gonna clog up a roster spot with him on my bench for that. Um, let's see here. Zaven Collins so far this season has where did he go? He has 86 pass rush snaps for a zero percent true pass set win rate. There is only one other player who has played as many or more pass rush snaps at Zaven Collins at the edge that has a zero percent. True pass set win rate. Do you want to guess who that is? I feel like I should know, but I, I, I'm, I'm blanking. So the there used to be three, and the third one used to be the guy that plays for the Raiders, who's a rookie, well, Tyree Wilson. DJ Wanham. Yep, it's DJ Wanham. I talked about this in our Slack a little bit earlier, so I'm glad that's you why, remember. That's why I should remember, yeah. <laughs> yep, DJ Wanham. Every other edge rusher that has played as many or more snaps has a higher pass rush win rate, except for TJ Wanham, because he's also bad. So let's hope that Marcus Davenport comes back healthy and can do a little better than that, shall we? Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the Philadelphia Eagles at the Los Angeles Rams. Okay, listen up. The Rams offense, they are 29th ranked, first defensive tackles. They are fourth versus linebackers, third versus corners, and 30th versus safeties. So to recap, 
Bad for tackles and safeties. Good for linebackers and corners. You ready for the quickest analysis you're ever going to find on this side of the Mississippi? Listeners, you should continue to start Nick Morrow and Zach Cunningham. Yep. All right. And moving on to the Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, they're number one. Uh, their matchup is number one versus safeties, right? So Eagles giving up a ton of points to the safeties. And Jordan Fuller and Russ Yeast are two names that very kind of, I'll call them under the radar IDP names, especially in the offseason coming into this. You know, Fuller um, kind of had some prominence, at least, and showed showed relevance in the past. But Rush East, uh, really likely more available, potentially, if, if you need to go pick someone up, if, if others haven't kind of already. Um, but this is a great matchup for him. So I think that he's going to be able to um, continue to make the plays he's had. He struggled with tackling, but the few games uh, that I've been able to catch with him, it just seems he's kind of more aggressive than maybe he should be where Fuller's kind of that more wise veteran, right? I'm going to keep him in front of me and it's only going to be a two yard play that they're going to get after the catch where Reese is like, I'm going to try and stop him right away. And, and that ends up resulting in, you know, five, six yards extra down the field, but it, he also makes some nice plays out of it. And, and for IDP, uh, I'll take that aggressive upside. Um, when I'm looking at someone at, at this level here for my, for my defense. So, um, Someone I'm looking at sitting, uh, Christian Roseboom. So he's he's shown that he's got average tackle efficiency, literally like right around league average at 12.5%. It's just the lack of volume. I mean, they've shown that they love to primarily run out one linebacker as as a as a base set more, or I shouldn't say base set, but but more often than other teams. And so without Christian Roseboom getting out there to realize a greater snap volume, it's just it's a very, very low floor play. And, you know, again, if you, if you need that in a deeper league, your fourth, fifth, whatever, plus linebacker, sure. But otherwise, I'm I'm really trying to steer away from Rose Boom and anything in those kind of moderate leagues. Jake, I've got something for you here, and I think you'll appreciate it. Would you describe this player as pretty Rose Boom, Rose Bust? Oh, you you win today, Evan. Unlike the Steelers last weekend, but... Uh. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> We're moving on. We're moving on to the New York Jets at the Denver Broncos and insert catchy theme song here for our game pick of the week. I think we had so much fun last week with the Steelers at the Texans. And picking that game. So we're going to do it again with the Jets at the Denver Broncos. I'm taking the Jets. Jake, you are taking who? Well, by default, that would be the Broncos. But I actually do like the Broncos in this matchup as well. There we go. So we'll do the same thing that we did last week where the loser has to get a tweet tweeted out on their account by the winner. Now, Jake has so kindly provided me with not only text but an image for my tweet that I will be shooting off tomorrow. Well, when you guys are listening, it should already be out there. So make sure you check my Twitter at IDP Evan. So you get to see what Jake has blessed me with. It's pretty quality content. Actually, I'm not going to lie. You could have done a lot worse. So I, I really appreciate the direction that you went with this one. It's uh, very creative. I will give you that. Now let's get into the New York jets. 
Now their Broncos opponent is a 31st versus defensive ends and 27th versus safeties, which is strange that this is somehow a bad matchup for defensive ends. And yeah, this is a team, the jets that you're just really hoping for an efficient player. That's not playing very many snaps. I would rather just roll with someone else rather than trying to guess right. Because I mean, you've got so many dudes, like, let me pull up the jets pass rush win rate chart here. Like they've got one, two, three, four, five guys that are above 20% pass rush win rate. They've got Bryce Huff, Quentin Jefferson, Quinnen Williams, Will McDonald, Michael Clemens. I mean, we've even got John Franklin Myers at 18%. We've got Carl Lawson at 10%, Jermaine Johnson at 8%. Like, they got a lot of dudes playing a lot of snaps, but they're all sharing, and it's really hard to predict who's going to get the snaps. And if you're looking for someone to be efficient against this Broncos defense, or I guess this Broncos offense, it's, I guess it's just not going to happen. Like there's probably going to be somebody or even two people, but good luck trying to guess who it is. Let's be honest. It's probably going to be Quinn and Williams. So let's go ahead and move on to the second guy that I would recommend sitting, which is Jordan Whitehead. He came back to earth just a little bit last week. I don't think he's going back to the moon this week and a bad matchup for safeties. Jordan Whitehead started off so freaking hot. And I think people have just been kind of riding that for the first couple of weeks, but in reality, like it's a volatile position. It's based on consistency and efficiency. And I'm not going to gamble on someone being efficient in the 27th matchup versus safeties straight up. So I would consider benching him unless you're in a very, very deep league where you need it. But let's, uh, let's hear about some Broncos, shall we? All right. So the Broncos, you know, they're getting a matchup here where the jets are 32nd. Uh, versus cornerback for IDP scoring. Um, so with that, uh, first consideration, we're going to start obviously not Randy Gregory because, you know, hashtag spoiler alert if you didn't hear this already, he was cut. Um, so I just found that absolutely mind-boggling. Um, but anyways, so who we are going to start, Alex Singleton. Uh, not not 100% uh, that Jewel will be back in the lineup, uh, even if he is, if he's at a full full go either um and now we're looking at potentially an unleashed Brees hall um you know robert Sala coming out and saying no more snap count for for Brees. uh so i think that's going to leave uh plenty of opportunities in the middle of that defense uh to be making plays and alex singleton um maybe gets back to that form of alex kingleton you know a solid 15 plus tackle game all of a sudden um you know and i feel like Singleton and Brees Hall probably will end up meeting up more than Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Uh, just had to plug that because that's now a new NFL rule. Anytime we're talking about the NFL, we must mention Taylor Swift at some point. So um, just trying to meet that requirement there. Uh, as far as who I would sit, um, obviously we're sitting all the cornerbacks. We talked about this is the worst matchup for IDP cornerbacks against the Jets. Um, I am not going to take Sunday night as the resurrection of Zach Wilson. I, I do hope and wish for the best for him because obviously competitive teams make for better football and more enjoyment uh, for us all. But uh, I'm personally, I need to see it again uh, before I'm going to go ahead and have any confidence that all of a sudden this passing attack is going to be able to do something uh, which is going to allow cornerbacks to be more involved in the game. So, you know, with that said, that's kind of where I'm at. I think that this Broncos defense has enough in the middle of it to 
limit Brees Hall to not let him to take over, to not allow him to take over the game. And I just, I still don't have enough faith in, in Zach Wilson to go ahead and actually beat the Denver Broncos this week. Have you seen any news on Baron Browning? I've not seen him activated yet off the pup officially. So they, you know, they need to do that. And then once they do that, they have that 21 day window to return them. Um, you know, but he can be practicing during that 21 day window. So I know I've, so with that said, with him not officially activated, um, that gives me concern that he's probably out potentially longer. Um, because if they even thought like, Oh, he might be back in two weeks, it would bring him back now. So he can start practicing. Yeah. Let me see what the bird app says. I will also say, I saw a funny tweet the other oh, day. Oh, nope. Aaron Browning is back. He just, yep. He is Look back at, at practice. Video. Ooh, look at this guy. Well, that is great news then. So, yeah, I would expect him to be back within the next couple of weeks at a minimum. Yay. That's good to hear, especially with the Randy Gregory, Greg, Gregory release. That was harder to say than I expected. That should spell good things for Baron Browning. I will also mention, I, I saw a funny tweet, I think today, that was talking about every single defense in the AFC West. That wasn't the Chiefs, right? They spent big money. You know, Jason, big guarantee. Casey Jackson. Exactly. Baron Browning. Oh, not Baron Browning. Randy Gregory and Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones. I was, you know, just up. three big defensive stalwarts to bolster your defense. Oh, no, they're not on the team anymore one year later. That's tough. So, you know, good intention, bad execution. Let's go ahead and move on to the Kansas City Chiefs at the Minnesota Vikings. This game I'm very excited for, to be honest. The 52.5 point over-under seems about right. Lots and lots of points. Now, the Chiefs playing against the Vikings offense here, those Vikings offense, it's a third-best matchup for safeties. So would you be surprised if I told you to start a safety? You wouldn't? Wow. You're very insightful, a listener. I'm going to tell you to start Justin Reed. It's a good matchup. He continues to see great usage. Um, I was going to say something about, like, Mike Edwards or Brian Cook. But to be honest, I don't actually know what's going on with them. They both played limited snaps last week, and I don't know if there was an injury, and I don't really care because neither of them are exciting enough to really start in this matchup. It's just slightly more efficient. So I'm going to take the guy that I know for a fact is playing a full-time role and a lot of snaps in the box. And that's going to be Justin Reed. I'm also going to tell you to start George Karloftis. He's got a really good win rate. This is not exactly an elite matchup by any means. It's a pretty neutral matchup, but he just needs some some sack luck. I think I did this last week too, didn't I? Yeah, I did this last week. It's all right. We're going to move on away from that phrase that I keep tripping on. Uh, I will also say keep an eye on the Nick Bolton injury situation. I don't really know what's going on right now. Jake, I'm assuming you might know off the dome. Uh, nope, but I can give you a quick update. Awesome. So while you're searching, I'm going to kill some time and just tell you that if Nick Bolton is back, obviously you're starting him. If Nick Bolton is not back, keep firing up Drew Tranquil because he's doing a pretty good job. Yep. So he's a limited participant at practice today and looks like they expect him to potentially yeah, be back in the lineup this week, at least as long as everything keeps trending. So Awesome. How about right. the Vikings? All right. Well, for the Vikings, uh, how about Josh Metellus. I know we've talked about him earlier uh, in, in earlier weeks about him, but he's really been a pleasant surprise as, as that third safety, um, you know, primarily out of the slot. But if you look at when he's not uh, rolling uh, as that slot defender, 
he's taken plenty of looks at defensive line and box. So, and those are our three primary spots for that, that sweet spot as we, as you like to call it, Evan. And he's been living in there and he's been making some hay and you know, why not keep firing him up then? Uh, I, I like Josh Metellus as a, as a third DB, especially with what he's doing there. And when you look at it, the chiefs have done a nice job in terms of the production that they give up to uh, opponents, linebackers for IDP. That's essentially what Josh Metellus is at some point here for this defense. Uh, and, and as such, you know, you should have a lot of confidence firing him up this week. Um, with that said, one linebacker that we got really excited about, and unfortunately we've seen just a decline in this, and I don't know if it's because of Josh Metellus's play uh, specifically or, or what's going on, but Ivan Pace, um, I just, you know, I, I was an Ivan Pace truther before the draft. I was disappointed when he went on drafted. Um, I was so excited when he got the chance, like y'all played Asamoa, but now uh, Pace is definitely uh, on, a, on a lower snap count all of a sudden. And, you know, with that said, I'm I'm not going to have a lot of confidence firing him up week in and week out until we can see him kind of rise more consistently towards that that 70 to 80% uh, threshold uh, as, as a floor in terms of his snap production uh, or snap count, excuse me. So, uh, as, as much as it pains me to say it, I'm, I'm holding off on Ivan Pace for now. I'm going to keep him on my bench because I believe in the talent, but um, just not this week here against the Chiefs. Yeah, I think that's that's a pretty reasonable take. I, I like Ivan Pace also, and this is a great matchup. But like you said, he's just not getting the snaps, so he's going to be he's going to need to be very efficient. It's hard to see that ceiling play out on so few snaps. So I think it's a smart call to say, Keep them on your bench, at least for this week, until we see a change. Let's go ahead and move on to Sunday night football with the Dallas Cowboys at the San Francisco 49ers, except this time not featuring Ezekiel Elliott pretending to be a center. So that should be exciting. Uh, the 49ers offense is, as a matchup, the 30, 31st versus cornerbacks and 29th versus safeties. So not great for defensive backs. And because of that, I'm going to tell you to start the entire defensive line because they're insane and it's a great matchup. So start your guys, you know, Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, et cetera, et cetera. I know I'm, I'm telling you to start Micah Parsons. <laughs> uh, stick around for some more hot takes tomorrow. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's a great matchup. It's a great defensive line. If you're looking for a streamer, maybe even get like a whatever his name is. There's another edge there that also plays a bit, and I'm too tired to remember everybody's name, but his name Dorrance, is Dorrance Armstrong. Dorrance Armstrong. Yeah. yeah. Like, they've got they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys over a 15% TPS win rate. Mozzie Smith, Dorrance Armstrong, Sam Williams, Osa Odigizua, Chauncey Golston, Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence. The only problem here is they don't play a bunch of snaps, so you're looking for some efficiency, but... That is what the defensive line is like. Nobody plays that many snaps. So uh, this this could be the week where you where you see a guy kind of break through and get get a couple sacks. I will also mention Donovan Wilson. Bench him. The Cowboys are back to their three safety rotation, uh, but Wilson has the lowest snap share of the bunch. It's also is not a great matchup. Like I said, it's the 29th matchup versus safeties. Uh, if you're in a super deep league and you need to start him, I understand. I'm not going to be angry at you. I'm not going to be upset. I'm just going to be a little disappointed. Um, anyways, 
if you can wait for him to get back, though, I think I think that would be ideal. Wait for him to get back to a full time role and a good matchup, then you can fire him up. But just right now, it's just not ideal. Nope, I hear you there, and, and we and we go from talking about one strong defensive line to another, right? The, mm-hmm. Should should be a an IDP dream here to to watch all these defensive lines go at it. Uh, you know, Javon Hargrave, Joey Bosa, Eric Armstead, um, you know, and even to an extent this year, Javon Kinlaw, someone that's kind of been written off as a bust at times uh, by people, but you look at him and Eric Armstead. Both have a, a, a true pass set win rate at 25% or greater. Um, both have, I think, 12 or 13 pressures as well on, this year with, on the year with no sacks up to this point. And I like both of them as regression candidates. Now, I know this is not an ideal matchup. The Cowboys have a relatively competent offensive line overall. Um, the interior is probably a little more sturdy than, than the tackle position too. But this is just something where... You know, you just talked about how look look at how all those players are succeeding uh, with talent across the board. This is just another situation. Um, and Armstead and Kinlaw are both players that I like for a little bit of positive regression this week, um, just due to the talent that they've have and what they've shown already. And you know, I think this is just going to be a matchup where the defenses need to step up, and and we're going to see some plays being made there. Um, unfortunately, along the defensive line, and I think you know we've kind of maybe hit on this so. Try try to move off this point, but you know, sorry to the Jake, uh, Jake, the Drake Jackson truthers. Um, I'm I'm just I'm still not in on him at this point. I, I know he had the great week one. Everyone got excited about him. Um, you know the the 17 win rate keeps me you know optimistic that you know yeah he he deserves to be on a roster. Not saying he should be sitting out on waivers, but the overproduction in, in one big game. Um, the, you know, the not necessarily full snap, uh, allotment of snaps either. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be sitting Drake Jackson at this point until see a little, just a little bit of higher utilization overall, um, to help his floor, or he can start showing a bit more consistent performance, right. Um, in terms of, okay, winning at that 17% clip, well, we should be seeing at least, you know, two, you know, one, two, three pressures a game kind of um, through that rotation then uh, of the time that he's putting out there. So until we get to that level, I'm I'm going to hold off on Drake Jackson. You're not going to tell them to start Nick Bosa? Man, what kind of kind of <laughs> fantasy analyst are you? You know, it's crazy. I was talking about the, the Cowboys defensive line and how most of them have like a 15% or higher win rate. Uh, yeah, the entire 49ers defensive line has a 15% or higher win rate. I mean, I get except for Cleland Farrell, but he's like 14.9. So I'm just going to count it. Uh, very impressive. What a solid defensive line. Let's go ahead and move on to Monday Night Football, our final game of the week with the Green Bay Packers at the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, the Raiders offense as a matchup is the 27th best versus defensive tackles and the very, very worst versus safety. So the 32nd best. Because of that, I'm going to tell you to sit Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage. They each had a decent week last week, and they've had spike weeks intermittently so far this season, but this is about as bad a matchup as it gets, and I'm sure you have better options. Please tell me you have better options than Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage. Surely you can find a better option. Uh, somebody else I'm going to tell you to sit, though, is Preston Smith. It's not a great matchup, and he's been pretty inefficient with his volume so far. So I would prefer to just not fire him up this week. I know Randy Gregory is 
Wait, not Randy Gregory. What's his name? Rashawn Gary. Yeah. RG. RG. Right? Yeah. Counts. I was close enough. <laughs> I mean, there's like Randy starts with RA and has an N in it. And Gary and Gregory, right? Like it ends it ends in an RY and it starts with a G. I've spent too much time on this. 45% true pass at win rate for Randy Gregory. Very, very impressive. 2.3% true pass at win rate from Preston Smith. I think Not, you just called Rashawn Gary Randy Gregory now as well. Did I do it again? Yeah. <laughs> so Rashawn Gary has a 45% win rate and Preston Smith has a 2.3% win rate. We're not editing this. We're keeping this in. Listeners, you know this is authentic. This is right from the heart. Rashawn Gary, Randy Gregory, this is what happens when you get somebody with ADD running your weekly preview podcast. Man, I am... Ooh. You're welcome. You're welcome for keeping things interesting. I was just testing you, making sure you were paying attention. Should we talk about the Raiders now? We shall. And the big one for me... Um, Nate Hobbs, uh, again, probably, you know, hey, you knew this already. You were putting him out there regardless. But, you know, if he's healthy, he's got to be in your lineups. And and this is not just as cornerback required. He should be a top DB player, right? Just like we had Legereus Sneed last year, who was someone that was constantly in our lineups, you know, plug and play every week. Um, Nate Hobbs is kind of on that level. Um, the only thing is, right, because this is the Monday night game, we don't have any information yet because they don't have to give any practice reports until Thursday. So just make sure you're checking your injury reports, listening to the Banged Up podcast, um, staying on top of those things um, so you know what to do with Nate Hobbs. Uh, on the other part of that back end, we have a Trayvon Merrig and Marcus Epps. Very, very even utilization. Both of them, they're kind of playing more of that kind of split field defense, right? Where one's on the left, one's on the right. So, and based on just how the, the alignments are, one will rotate down, you know, whatever. It's not like we have a specific box safety here. Um, but really, their their PFF grades are pretty even. Their production is pretty even overall. So just two great names. Maybe Merrick's kind of got, you know, he's a little bit younger and maybe has just kind of some more buzz to him based on that. But um, both great options um, as DB3s in a lot of your leagues out there. So if either of them are available, you should be rostering these guys and giving them consideration kind of in that moderate range um, for defensive backs. And then we're going to sit all defensive linemen except Max Crosby, obviously. Um, and the crazy thing to me is, is that the Raiders are – 31st versus defensive tackles, 28th versus defensive ends. And this is after Khalil Mack just got six sacks on them. Like, so like imagine introducing that outlier of a stat and then being like, oh yeah, it's still a really crappy matchup. Probably should shy away from it. Um, especially if Jimmy Garoppolo is a go, or if Josh McDaniels learns how to coach and doesn't just let Aiden O'Connell stand back there like a statue for five seconds, um, which if you watch the game, it was just good for Khalil Mack. I mean, he absolutely ate, but my goodness, Aiden O'Connell was like two and a half, three seconds on the first read and then moving on to a second. I was like, no, you, you are clearly a rookie quarterback. This is going to be painful to watch. So... That was That's insane. I, I think I think Khalil Mack scored the most big three ID points that we've just ever seen. It was like 81. Yep. 
So absolutely bonkers. Kind of wish I had him somewhere, but I don't. So I will move on. Um, Jake, I think we should get into our listener questions. What say you? I say that is a fantastic idea. You would. <laughs> I did. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's go in here. This first one, shall we? All right. Let's go to Thomas H. What do you need to add into uh, a trade here for to send TJ Watt in order to get Aiden Hutchinson in a dynasty trade? Thomas thought, you know, starting with a third, but he felt like that wasn't enough. I'm actually going to pass this question over to you, Evan, kind of on the spot, because I really think this is where you live and thrive um, is in the trade aspect, especially in dynasty formats. So I would love to hear your thoughts on it and happy to weigh in after. Yeah. So first of all, quick shout out to the IDP trade show. This is a kind of question that I know they would love to discuss on that episode. Um, but I also have some thoughts of my own. First things first, TJ Watt is outscoring Aiden Hutchinson this year. I do expect that to continue. However, Aiden Hutchinson is playing very well this season. I expect that to be a consistent facet of his game moving forward. So this is very much an age versus production question. Are you looking to contend now? Are you looking to rebuild? Now, thankfully, it's not like you're sending away TJ Watt and adding like, I don't know, Tyree Wilson, like somebody that's not going to be productive. You are still getting a bona fide stud. He's just going to be a slight drop off in points. So first things first, it's important to note that. Now, usually what I think about when I think about the kinds of picks that I'm sending, I like to look at previous year's rookie drafts and think about hit rate. So what might be helpful for you is if you go back and look at your league's rookie draft history, look at the players that have been taken in the third round and just get a general idea of the quality of talent that you can get there. If your third round has guys like Will Anderson or uh, I was going to say Jack Campbell, but that didn't really pan out as well. Like if those kinds of really solid players are making it to the third round, those picks become more valuable. But if your league is really, really sharp and they are having a pretty chalk draft and your third round looks more like, yeah, I'm, I'm spacing on like, who even went in the third round this past year, but like poorer guys, guys that are not as valuable, then I would be a little bit more willing to send that third round pick. But I do think that the third round pick makes a bit of sense. If you can get it done, let's see, what would you need to add in with TJ Watt to get Aiden Hutchinson? He's thinking about adding a third, but he's worried that's not enough. I mean, give it a shot. See if that works. If it doesn't work, I don't think I would give a second. I think that's too much, but I could see maybe a third and then like a fifth or something. But honestly, at that point, if the Aiden Hutchinson manager is still saying no, don't make the trade. I think the biggest mistake that a lot of managers make when trading is they think that they need to make the trade. And so they pay what is required to get the trade done. I think you should have a threshold in your hand of, of like what your limit is. And it's okay to accept the fact that some managers just value players more than you're willing to pay for them. And in fact, if managers accept that mindset more, I think uh, I think fantasy gets a lot easier for you because I send a trade offer to somebody, he says no, and I'm like, awesome, great. I think you value this player more than I'm willing to pay for them, and I'm totally okay with that. That's not a dig on them as a manager. It's not a you know, it's not elevating myself. It's just saying, hey. We might be a bit off and, and that's okay. I think it would be best if we didn't waste more time trying to discuss this. So in conclusion, 
I think the third is about as much as you need to offer, assuming that your previous rookie drafts have a moderate hit rate. You could potentially throw in another fifth or some, you know, bench bench asset like a like a kind of a nobody. Um, but I wouldn't pay too much more than that because I still think TJ Watt is an elite fantasy asset for this season and at least one more. Nope. Yeah, I don't I don't think I have anything that I would add to that, Evan. So that that's great work there. Um yeah, and I and I, I love the P, the part on everyone has their evaluations of players and at times they're just going to be different. Don't get too hung up on that. And and it's it's in, in my opinion the thing I always fall back on too. It's good that we have that because otherwise if it was all just chalk, why would you be listening to us? Why would you be looking for different differing opinions and, and feedback on things? So um, I mean that's all this is, right? We're taking this massive amounts of data, whether it's you know, anecdotal, whether it's analytical film, all these things, um, you know, gut instinct. And we're just trying to make it into some sort of best guess so that, you know what, we can win a pretend game and have lots of fun. And then we can make fun of Evan because the Steelers lost to the Texans 30 to six. So, I mean, it all comes together in the end for a great time. (laughs) Sorry, you were cutting out there. What was that? (laughs) Oh, I was just trying to move on to Thomas's second question. Oh, great. Let's go ahead and Uh, do that. So he wants us to pick three here, um, potentially four if we don't like um, any of the defensive line st- starting options there. So so pick three for sure from Fred Warner, Pete Werner, Divine Diablo, Caden Ellis, and Jawan Bentley. And I just got to say, I feel like every week, I don't know if it's the same people's questions or or what, but I just feel like we're getting a lot of Fred Warner, Pete Werner combos because just I always have to like very slowly enunciate them to get them right. So It is. It definitely of, is. But speaking of those two, they would definitely be starters for me. Um, and then between Divine Diablo, Caden Ellis, and Jawan Bentley, Caden um, Ellis is a flag plant for me. Not happy with the overall production he gave us last week. Um, you did see him uh, get the quarterback hit and get close on another one. So again, you know, big play upside. You, you score well for sacks and things like that. I, I still love Caden Ellis. Divine Diablo, not the green dot anymore. And, and I already talked earlier about Bentley's kind of lack of utilization. So for me, those are the three for sure I'd roll with there. And then picking either Diablo or Bentley over an Alex Highsmith or George Karloftis, um, I would I would keep those two in there. I, li- I like their upside this week too over a Diablo and Bentley. Yeah, the only situation where I would take Diablo over Highsmith or Karloftis is just if you're in one of those really, really tackle heavy formats. So basically the best way to look at this is just look at how many points per game they've been scoring so far this season. If Diablo has been noticeably higher than Highsmith, then great roll with Diablo, but you're probably in more of a balanced scoring format because you're asking this question. So if that is the case, and I expect that it is, yeah, I agree with you, Jake Highsmith and Karloff, just keep them in over Diablo. Awesome. Then moving on to Wade's question. So he's got Zaire Franklin. He's wondering, does he drop To'o To'o or Jack Campbell to pick up EJ Speed or potentially for any DBs such as you know, Julian Blackman, Nate Hobbs, or Reed Blankenship? So um, for redraft dynasty format, because I'm not 100% sure on, on that, it wasn't clear there. But for me, I would actually hold both at this point over EJ Speed. Um, and that's more just because I speed and Campbell are probably in the same boat in terms of utilization. I get speed is actually trending up better than Jack Campbell, but that's more of a talent piece for me. Um, so if you really wanted to there, I, I could 
I could get behind the argument for it, but but I'm going to err on the side of talent with Campbell on the, on this one. Um, and then you know for the for the defensive backs, um, unless you need them because you're thin at your starting defensive back positions, um, I wouldn't be dropping a Tooto um, or a Jack Campbell for any of those defensive back options just because they're they're you know they're replaceable. They're very easy to find. Two weeks from now, we're going to be talking about how Sam Franklin Jr., how Evan called it, and this guy is the new DB1 moving forward. So um, should you drop Henry To'o To'o? No, no. I'm supposed to say something so that we don't have quiet airtime. <laughs> but, oh, my gosh. Uh, that name will forever and always continue to pay dividends. Um, I wonder how Henry feels about all this. Probably nothing at all. He's probably not listening, but that's uh, <laughs> that's some quality content right there. I do agree with you. The only thing that like, okay, Jack Campbell or EJ Speed or I guess Toto, like obviously you're keeping Toto. If like, if you have like a Nate Landman available in your league, I would probably drop Jack Campbell for him. Yeah. Or like some other linebacker that's actually getting a full-time workload unlike EJ Speed. I think you're looking at, in Wait, redraft, though, would you in, draft in Campbell? Okay. In redraft, not not in Dynasty, definitely not Dynasty. Um, but like, I, I think Wade here is looking at EJ Speed as almost like a, a handcuff for Zaire, and I just don't think that handcuffing your own players is the upside play, right? You're playing to win a league. You're you're playing for first place. You're not playing to to get top half, unless you are, which you're probably not. So, so these, these floor plays like handcuffing your own players, you could say the same thing for running backs and, and, you know, this is more so a reference to late round QB while I'm here with the late round DB, but you know, you don't want to handcuff your own players. Like I understand that there's some scariness associated with that, but like, well, what if my guy gets hurt? Then I'm not going to have his backup. Like, yeah, sure. If your guy gets hurt, that's, that's tough, but that's what happens. That's fantasy football. You're not playing for the floor. You're playing for the ceiling. And I would rather you get the handcuff to somebody else's guy. So then you could potentially have two full-time players or in this instance, get the guy that's already a full-time player. If like somebody like a Nate Landman is available. Would you play EJ speed alongside Zaire? If Darius Leonard or Shaq Leonard was injured. And so I was actually thinking about this before I answered this question, I would need to see a study to know for sure how this, you know, impacts, I would imagine that starting both linebackers from the same team reduces your ceiling because they're going to vulture tackles from each other. But also some defenses just have really, really efficient linebacker tackles and some defenses just play more snaps. So it's like, how do you balance all that out? I don't really know because I don't know. I'm not going to have a strong enough opinion one way or another, but I'm curious what you think about that. Yeah, I, I think it's the same way, right? When you look at like, oh, hey, you have the you know the wide receiver and a quarterback, you can stack them, right? But when you have two wide receivers, right, there's only one pass being completed on an actual pass play. Um, yes, there could be the the wide receiver screen into a pass type, you know, uh, anomaly. But um, so for me, I I like to have the greater range of outcomes, right? Where I could have two linebackers who collected twelve tackles each versus, you know two linebackers who were only able to get to a total of 18 because that's all there was for linebacker tackles that week and they have to split them. So that that's just, yeah, it's kind of that same concept, I think, of upside versus floor. Um, 
but you know, sometimes there's probably there's times where you could have started Devonte Smith and AJ Brown last year and been fine with that, right? So I'm sure there's situations where same thing with linebackers where there's enough volume um, and efficiency between the two of them. But I I tend to stay away from that. So all right. Then moving on to Hannah's questions. So start one at each of these levels. So Chase Young or Josh Sweat. Um, for me, it's Chase Young. I love the I love the volume floor. Uh, linebacker Nick Benito, Jalen Phillips, Matt Milano, Ernest Jones. For me, uh, I'm leaning into Matt Milano at this point. Uh, I think he's got uh, just a stranglehold on that linebacker room. Um, Jalen Phillips is an interesting consideration for me. I love the talent, but just the injuries and stuff at this point, you know, I want to, I want to know that he's truly back to a full allotment of snaps. Um, so for this week, I, at this point, I would lean Milano and then defensive back, Rudy Ford, Kyle Hamilton, Diomador, Lenore, Cam Bynum, or Tyson Campbell. And for this, we're staying in the flames with Kyle Hamilton, or at least I am. And I got to imagine you're burning up with me in here. I am burning up. Shout out Jonas brothers, by the way. Um, anyways, I, I agree with you here. Definitely Chase Young. I will say if Nick Benito and Jalen Phillips are listed as linebackers on your platform, I would strongly encourage you to play on a different platform next year. Talk or activate Commissioner. Commissioner Powers if they have them to yeah. transition players to more accurate, true representations of their roles. I just don't know if Yahoo allows people to do that. And if this is on Yahoo, then that sucks. Plan a better platform. Um, I will also say you have five DBs on your roster. I would encourage you to clear up some roster space. I think you should cut Rudy Ford. I think you could probably cut Cam Bynum or Demidor Lenore or Tyson Campbell. Add some better players at more valuable positions. Not that these guys are bad necessarily, but I just don't think you need that many, especially if you're only starting one per position. Like, and if you have Kyle Hamilton, you exactly. have you have an elite level that you're likely not taking out or you can run with every single week. Exactly. Like to be completely frank with you, Hannah, you can drop everybody but Kyle Hamilton. And then when Kyle Hamilton has his bye week, keep him, add a DB to stream for that one week, and then drop him the next week. Because honestly, on a weekly basis, there aren't going to be very many players that are more likely to score lots of points than Kyle Hamilton. And that's four bench spots that you can be using on handcuff running backs, upside wide receivers, handcuff linebackers. I mean, like literally, you okay, you should not be rostering handcuff linebackers in a league this shallow, but you get what I mean, like more valuable positions. So uh, I think bench management is a really, really important part of just having a solid fantasy team that lasts the entirety of the season. And I think a big part of that is is how many of each position you have on your bench. And the number of starting positions should have some play in how many of those bench positions you have because you've only got one of each. I'm going to assume that waivers are pretty rich with talent there as well. So if you ever need a backup DB, great. Add anybody off of waivers, they'll be fine. And welcome to IDP Therapy with Evan Ronda, where he walks you through your rosters and your mistakes. <laughs> Only because I've been there. <laughs> it's true. I, I early on I did I did a lot of the same thing. So all right, moving on to Drew's question. Start one. Jordan Whitehead, Jordan Fuller, J. Ron Curse. Um, for me, this is pretty easy. It's J. Ron Curse. He plays like a linebacker. He's playing in a matchup where he's against a very linebacker friendly scoring uh team in the 49ers. Uh, it's J. Ron Curse uh by far and ahead for those. Uh start three. 
DeForest Buckner, Jonathan Allen, Jadevian Clowney, Zach Cunningham, Nate Landman, David Long, the linebacker, not the cornerback. Uh, so for me, Jonathan Allen and Jadevian Clowney um, kind of get the nod right away. And I'll, I will say good call at all is that you mentioned before, Evan, right? This is, this is assuming kind of maybe more of that big three scoring or kind of even more close to balance type scoring. Um, if it's tackle heavy, that, that sways us a little bit differently. Um, but for that third spot, I do have a little bit of a tough time between DeForest Buckner and Nate Landman. Uh, Buckner's an elite defensive talent. Uh, Landman is a jag kind of linebacker, but he's a jag that can just show he can pile up 12 tackles too. And, and DeForest Buckner's in a less than ideal matchup. So I'm, I'm torn on these two. I'm going to lean the side of Buckner because I generally tend to lean into talent in these situations where I'm uncertain. Um, but again, scoring, or if you just want, you know, some of that, I guess, unknown or ambiguity, you want to chase upside because you just don't know that it might be there. You can, I could definitely see an argument for Landman, but for me, it's Buckner as the third. And I will uh, counter that, I guess, add some additional context, if you will. If this is more of a tackle heavy format, Zach Cunningham and Nate Landman should be your two starts. Your third start, I would say, should probably be Jadavion Clowney or Jonathan Allen. I mean, just look who's averaged more points per week so far this season and grab that guy. Um, Jadavion Clowney plays on the edge, so he's a little bit more of an efficient player, but Jonathan Allen's better at football. So, you know, that that obviously has something to play. Uh, but Zach Cunningham and Nate Landman both have great usage, great tackle floors. So if this is a tackle heavy format, like you were saying, I'd roll with that. Nope. All right. Last one. Ricky wants to know, start one, Carl Granderson, Christian Wilkins. I think this is a, this is a really good question for me. My process broke down as Carl Granderson, I think has the greater upside. I think Christian Wilkins has the better floor. I generally tend to play upside, so I will lean granderson but if your roster construction you're just thinking hey you know at this point i got i got plenty of other volatility or upside injected into my lineup and i think christian wilkins i like the floor that he brings i'm gonna i'm gonna throw him out there totally totally on board with that as well yeah i'm I'm looking at these matchups here um saints dolphins yeah man i don't have much to add i agree with you i'd probably roll with granderson just because he's an edge edge rusher i prefer I prefer the upside they possess. I'm almost always playing for upside. So Carl Granderson's my pick if you needed somebody to to break the tie for you. But that doesn't negate what Jake said, which is the upside versus floor analysis here. If you need floor, I totally understand the need for Christian Wilkins. That's it for the Q&A portion. Awesome. Listeners, if you guys want to ask us a few questions for next week's episode, you know where to find us the idpshow.com go ahead and send in your listener questions there we do a thread every single week before we record our episodes so you guys can uh, send them to us or if you'd rather go straight to the source you can also hit us up on twitter at idp evan or at late round db uh let's do a couple other things real quick before we close out this episode shall we 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 got to talk about something we're excited about i haven't thought about this yet I should probably think about this ahead of time before we do this next one. Uh, I'm excited to see how good Baron Browning looks because that's potentially a player that like, as far as current market value versus potential value, I see a very big gap in, in what that could be. 
I don't really see that opportunity with very many other players here in week five, as far as like, you know, just coming straight up off waivers to being somebody that you could potentially start. That could be an interesting player to see. Yeah, for me, I, I'm I'm excited to see Chad Muma get get more opportunities again. I know he got uh, got a chance to look like a fool trying to uh, tackle Bijan Robinson in open field on a swing pass, and I mean that's about the I think the results we'd expect from almost any linebacker in the NFL. Not uh, me. You, I'm built different. <laughs> built for tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's just for me. I was such I was so big on Muma coming in last year that I think just him getting the opportunities excites me to to the point where it's like okay may, maybe some team goes out there and is like we need to trade for this guy because we need to give him an opportunity right um, and I, I just I'd love to see him get that role um, where he can just really try to take over and, and capture it but alas you know this is likely you know Devin Lloyd didn't travel with them to to overseas. And so when he gets back here and when they get back this following week into week six, I think Lloyd's likely back into that lineup and, and Muma's kind of back to, you know, holding the proverbial IDP clipboard. And that, that's disappointing, but, you know, I'll take the action that we can get with him now. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great way to phrase it. Just you get him when you get him. Enjoy it while it lasts. Well, Jake, I had an absolute blast recording this episode with you as always, always. as always. We have a little too much fun here on the episode, but uh, I mean, we do get to chat before and afterwards as well. So it's it's always a good time getting to talk football, get to talk life. So listeners, uh, really, really good guy right here. Really, really fun time recording episodes. So yes. Yeah, you. Yeah, you, Jake. I'm talking about you, <laughs> old buddy, old pal. Um, let's, uh, let's go ahead and close this episode out. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. I will catch you on next week's episode. Until next time, peace out. You're the apple of my eye. Anytime you need a friend, I'll be right there by your side. You're the apple of my eye. When I'm with you, girl, you change my darkness into light. You're the